Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here going solo today. And OG Ananobi, rumored to be of interest to the Knicks by multiple reports. I'm getting into those reports, the statistical profile of OG Ananobi, how he might fit with the Knicks, and whether the rumored asking price is worth it. Next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up, up. Now fires it. And he's good. And he's fouled. And he's fouled. Anthony for three. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. And I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland. And I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. I appreciate you guys making us part of your daily routine. If you want to make sure that you never miss us being part of your daily routine, hit the subscribe button on YouTube and the notification bell or hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app and hit the auto-download episode so you never miss one. But uh, big news. I'm not going to – no reason to hold – things up here there are two reports that have the knicks linked to og ananobi we're of course very close to the trade deadline at this point so things are going to be heating up over the next week or so here and this is probably the biggest name the knicks have been linked to thus far this trade deadline uh first we had ian begley of sny one of our good buddies uh with a report uh, this was sort of mentioned in in one of his videos he said Ananobi with Toronto I mean that would cost you a lot that would cost you significant draft compensation maybe the Knicks are there maybe they're feeling like they can make the playoffs and make a big push if you added an Ananobi I know that they're reportedly contacted Toronto on Ananobi and I was told in that conversation they offered multiple firsts but this was a while back Toronto has done a lot since then but I don't think the league is crystal clear on what the Raptors want to do on Ananobi and then Shams from The Athletic reports the Knicks and Suns are among the interested suitors in Raptors forward OG Ananobi. Sources say New York has shown a willingness to offer multiple first-round picks for Ananobi, according to those sources. So, interesting stuff. Uh, both mentioning that the Knicks are willing to offer multiple first-round picks, which might sound scary on the surface, but in case everybody needed a refresher on what the Knicks have to offer here, they have a pretty interesting little multitude of first-round picks available to trade at the moment. So I'll just give a quick refresher on that. Currently, they have the Mavs 2023 first-round picks this coming draft, top 10 protected uh, through 2025, in which case, if it doesn't convey by 2025, it would become, a, uh, I believe, a pair of second-rounders. I don't think that's going to matter. I'm pretty sure it's going to convey this year. I think the Mavs are going to make the playoffs. As of right now, it would be the 17th pick in the draft. Uh, I think you could probably chalk that in for somewhere between the 16th and 
22nd or so pick this year. So that that is almost definitely going to convey as like a mid to mid late first round pick this coming year. Uh, they have the Wizards 2023 first round pick. Now these next three are are all picks that they got from their draft night finaglings this year uh, when they were, you know, they, they offloaded Kemba Walker and through a series of moves sort of also offloaded Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel, uh, of course, cleared the space for Jalen Brunson and got these uh, protected first round picks back as well as trading out of their own pick in the first round this year. Uh, so the Knicks ended up with the Wizards 2023 first round pick. That pick is prote- protected through the lotto for this year. So that's, Picks one to fourteen that it won't convey. Uh, then one to twelve next year, one to ten in twenty twenty five, and one to eight in twenty twenty six. If the Wizards have not conveyed a first round pick to the Knicks by twenty twenty six, then they get the Wizards twenty twenty six and twenty twenty seven second round picks. Then the Pistons, uh, they have the Pistons twenty twenty three first round pick as well. That pick is protected one to eighteen this year. Uh, so extremely unlikely to convey this year, given that the Pistons are one of the worst teams in the league right now. Uh, one to eighteen next year, probably not going to convey next year as well. One to thirteen in twenty twenty five, one to eleven in twenty twenty six, and one to nine in twenty twenty seven. So that pick is tied up for a long time, and basically banks on the Pistons at some point around Cade Cunningham uh, getting better. Cade Cunningham, Jalen Duran, Jaden Ivey. You would hope if you're a Pistons fan or a Pistons organization member that they'll be better. Sometime by, you know, <laughs> like one of those years, 2025, if they make the playoffs, hopefully, uh, or 2026, something like that. So otherwise, that one, if it does not convey by 2027, just becomes a single 2027 second round pick. Then the Knicks also have Milwaukee's 2025 first round pick protected picks one to four. And if that falls uh, in picks one to four, New Orleans gets it and the Knicks get nothing. Uh, but more than likely, considering Giannis should still be alive and well by then, uh, the Knicks will get <laughs> the Knicks or whoever has that pick will most likely get it because it's very doubtful that the Bucks in two years' time will be picking in the top four of the draft. Then the Knicks, of course, own all their own picks going forward. So that's 23, 24, 25, 26, 27. I think they can go out to 28 right now if they were to make a trade, uh, if they so choose. Uh, I don't think that they would choose to do that uh, because that would be reckless compared to what the Knicks usually do, uh, especially under the Leon Rose regime here. Uh, just to give some some basic stats on OG Ananobi so far. Well, you know what? Let me just first talk about... I'll do the stats in the next segment. Let me just talk about how I think he would fit first off. I, I like the fit. I think that he's a, a really good target for the Knicks. I think that he maybe is a better target for what the Knicks could become in a post-Tom Thibodeau world. Uh, I think that if you can somehow hold on to Obi Toppin in this trade and go forward with having, essentially, like, if you can offload Isaiah Hartenstein and some other deal, perhaps, you know, maybe recoup a little bit of draft assets, get a second-round pick or two back for him, and you could roll forward with your your big-man rotation, essentially being Julius Randle, Obi Toppin, uh, OG Ananobi, Mitchell Robinson, and Jericho Sims, I think you'd be in really good shape. You know, Sims could provide you that sort of Mitch-esque look if you needed it, but then otherwise you could throw a guy like an Ananobi out there and he could play sort of a similar role to how Toronto has Scotty Barnes playing right now, which I have some great stats in a minute about why that could work. Uh, He's a pretty consistent three-point shooter at this point in his career. He's 
a guy that I think can work as sort of a, I don't know if I'll call him a glue guy. I think he's slightly better than just a glue guy. Uh, I don't necessarily know that I see him making a big star turn. Like Jalen Brunson, you could sort of see some writing on the wall saying like, you know what, if this guy gets more of an opportunity, he might have a star turn in him. OG, I, you know what, I think it's best if I just, I'll get into the stats in just a second because I think there's some stats that maybe suggest that he doesn't have a big star turn coming uh, and that maybe this cost that is rumored for him is a little overblown depending on what it is. Uh, so why don't I take my first break real quick and I can real quick remind you guys oh, and I'll come back and give a big statistical breakdown on OG and then finally in the final segment get into what I think the Knicks should give up for OG, which obviously is the, the most important part here. But I, I thought about it quite a bit. And have some good notes on that. But first, I just got to let you guys know that today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. And this year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sportsbook in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on anything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. I'll tell you what, I, I got to look at the actual things that I can bet on for the Super Bowl, but if you've heard me give this read before, you know I'm going to look at some same-game parlays. It's my absolute favorite thing. You can pick all kinds of different props for the Super Bowl. You pick who's going to score touchdowns and when. You can pick who's going to score first. You can pick... Things related to the halftime show often. I mean, there's just so many different things that you could pick in relation to the Super Bowl. It's the most fun game to bet of the entire year. The FanDuel Sportsbook app also is safe, secure, and super easy to use so you can feel good about doing it. And best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. Uh, I've always been a huge fan of the FanDuel app. Quite frankly, even when we were paid to talk about other apps, I was using the FanDuel app. That's been my, my app of choice for betting for a while now. I'm glad I can finally publicly endorse it. Uh, so I would definitely recommend the app. It's super, super easy to use and super quick to get payouts. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right. And now I am back to talk more OG on Anobi. And I've got some stats to get into a little, little bit of stat dump here. So stats this year for OG on Nobi. I'll just go over the, the basic counting stats first, and then I'll get into some interesting ones that I like a lot that make me think that he could be a really good fit as sort of a weird combo stretch big for the Knicks uh, going forward, hopefully. Uh, so just the basic counting stats, he's averaging 16.9 points per game, 5.5 rebounds, two assists, he is averaging a career-high 2.1 steals and a career-high 0.8 blocks for the Raptors this year. Uh, none of the other numbers are career highs. He has averaged a little more points uh, last year, I think, was his career high. He's averaged slightly more rebounds before, slightly more assists before. But all in all, he's, he's falling pretty in line with what he's sort of settled into the last few years as far as just the basic counting stats go. He's shooting uh, 46% from the field, 37% from three, which is in the 56th percentile for wings. Uh, and he is shooting 
82.1% from the free throw line. He's also shooting 63% at the rim, which is in the 52nd percentile for wings. You might remember from when Gavin and I did a breakdown on RJ Barrett recently. That's not that much higher than RJ right now, uh, which is a thing. Uh, he, he doesn't quite draw fouls as much as an RJ Barrett. Like when I was looking up his on clean the glass, they have a bunch of great numbers and, one of them is like how often a guy gets fouled and his numbers there are not fantastic. So, you know, there's, there's some to be desired. Whereas RJ is like in the top tier of getting fouled. So at least you can say like, Oh, if his finishing isn't great, at least he's drawing foul shots. OG, not quite as much. Uh, so that that's a little bit of a worry as far as like star upside, because that's definitely a, a star skill is drawing fouls in today's NBA. Uh, he also only carries a 19.2% usage in toronto that's usage percentage if you're not familiar is basically a, a stat that shows how often a player ends is involved in the end result of a play whether it's assisting a player or taking a shot so you know he holds about a, a one-fifth number slightly less in toronto right now that he either is the person taking the shot or is assisting the person taking the shot, not super high. Like your highest usage players are 25 to 30% typically. Um, so kind of makes me wonder, like I, I think a lot of him being available is that he seems to want to leave Toronto, presumably to get a bigger role somewhere. So there is a part of me that worries a little bit about whether he'd be able to find that in New York. I mean, <laughs> lesser player, but we've seen sort of the same thing happen with Cam Reddish where Cam wanted out of Atlanta to get a bigger role and they came to the Knicks and got a smaller role and now is back on the trading block because he wants out again because he wants a bigger role somewhere else. Um, I wonder if there would be some issues there with OG with the Knicks. I guess the only way to tell would be to trade for him. So I, I guess we'll see what happens there. Uh, he is also one of only five players with a positive on-off on Toronto per cleaning the glass. Uh, two of those guys are Christian Coloco and Ken Birch, who don't really play too much. Uh, Coloco has around like 500 minutes this year. Birch has less than 200. Otherwise, of positive players uh, in on-off differential on that team, it's just uh, it's just him, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, and Scotty Barnes. So pretty solid company there, uh, the reigning rookie of the year, and a potential all-star, all-NBA candidate, again, in Pascal Siakam, who, who had those honors last year. Uh, his last three seasons for Toronto, this is the, the big stat. This is the one that I like the most because I think that the biggest selling point, other than the consistent scoring with OG, would be his defensive versatility if you want to bring him on. His last three seasons for Toronto, this is one of my favorite stats when it comes to judging a defender. B-ball index has something that they call a defensive versatility rating. And I've explained this before, I think, in relation to Mitchell Robinson and stuff during some offseason pods, but it's basically this number that they assign that's like a 1 to 100 number that it's almost like graded like a school paper uh, that gives you a rating that determines how versatile of a defender you are, uh, meaning how well you can defend all five positions on the floor. Mitchell Robinson, if I remember correctly, scored something like a like a 70, which is slightly above average, you know, like a, an average defender is like a 50, um, you know, a, a guy that can only defend one position ever is a 20. Uh, Cause that's like one fifth. So if you're up in the higher echelons there, you're, you're a very talented defender. His OG's last three seasons of this B ball index defensive versatility rating, he has scored 
90 plus twice on that scale of one to 100. And he's had multiple seasons where he's guarded all five positions on the floor well and for almost equal amounts of time each. So B-Ball Index actually shows you like based off their some of their defensive metrics and film study and stuff like that, um, what positions a guy has been defending and defending well. And there are some seasons where OG, and granted Toronto switches everything more and runs zones and stuff like that, but there have been some seasons where he has guarded all five positions on the floor admirably, which is crazy uh, to think about. So he's a super, super versatile defender, uh, which I think is the biggest selling points potentially getting him. I think the scoring is just sort of the the like cherry on top. It's not necessarily the big selling point. Like I don't think that he has this star upside, but I do think that he has great defensive versatility, which would fit on like literally any team in the NBA and would especially fit on the Knicks who could use another player that could potentially defend all the positions, you know, especially I would assume you would probably move Grimes to the bench. So you could bring Grimes in off the bench and have OG and Grimes is like the super stopper duo throw quickly at the point guard there. If you really need to get some stops and like you might be cooking with gas, like that's a really solid lineup there as far as a trio that could stop the point of attack. OG also can defend around the rim a little bit. Like he's averaging almost a block per game this year. He's very long, like, Pretty pretty solid stuff that you could put together if you had an OG Ananobi on the team. Uh, and then as far as contract, he signed through the 2024 offseason. Uh, he has a $17.5 million contract this year. Next year, it's $18.5 million. Then he has about a $20 million option for 2024 to 25. If I was a betting man on FanDuel, perhaps, I would probably say that he is most likely to decline that option and hit free agency in 2024, which if you read an article that my buddy Jeremy Cohen wrote today for the Strickland, so go to strict.land if you want to read that, uh, he actually made a pretty good case that the way the Knicks moves are aligning right now, it seems like they want to potentially attack 2024 free agency, which then if they had OG in, in their back pocket already and, and had his cap hold and could have him either as an emergency valve or as a guy that they sort of sign and then deal with some other guys, Maybe not a, a bad place to be as far as uh, the Knicks are concerned there. If they could get a guy like an OG that could potentially, you know, be a guy that they want to re-sign in 2024, but could use a slightly lesser cap hold to then sign another player uh, with probably an, an inflated cap. Then I think the NBA has another TV deal spike coming in the next couple of years where they're going to, uh, you know, do at least a partial renegotiation of a TV deal or something. And the cap should go up again. So, Maybe something to keep an eye on there. But, of course, I think it's time to get to the most important part, which is what would I offer for OG Ananobi if I was the Knicks? And what's up with this rumored price of multiple first-round picks? I think I even saw uh, somewhere say that the Raptors were looking for three first-round picks or something like that. Uh, so I'm going to get into that next in the final segment and give my asking price or my offer price for OG Ananobi. All right, so getting into the final segment here. Uh, this is how I wrote it on my notes. Is the rumor cost too much for OG Ananobi? Reportedly, those two reports I cited at the beginning of the show say two first-round picks. So is that too much? Is that just right? I think it all depends on context. Are they protected first-round picks? Are they unprotected first-round picks? If 
Toronto is coming to me and I'm the Knicks and they're saying, well, we want your 2023 and your 2025 first round picks unprotected. I'm probably saying no. <laughs> I don't think that that's a good price for a player like Ananobi, who is undoubtedly a really good player, but not a player that I think is game-changingly good to the point where you're going to start giving up multiple firsts for him. He's not an all-star. He's not a potential all-NBA player. You know, He's not Donovan Mitchell. Let's put it that way. And there's no way that the Knicks should be looking to give up anything close to what they were rumored to be giving up for Donovan Mitchell because that's just not who I don't know he is. He's not that player. Uh, let me give a couple deals real quick that I think are much closer to what the market should be for Ananobi. Although I think Ananobi is maybe worth slightly more than these two guys, but this bears out with what I just said, right? So Malcolm Brogdon was traded. These are both trades from this offseason before the Jazz reset the whole market. So Malcolm Brogdon, 30 years old this year. He is a career 15, 5, and 4 guy who had the two best seasons of his career prior to being traded uh, with Indiana. And he did struggle with injuries, which it should be noted, and I haven't even brought up yet. Ojeanobi also struggles with injuries. Like he only played 40 something games the last two years prior to this and has missed some time this year. I think just got injured the other day, actually, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, you know, sort of similar, although Brogdon is obviously like five years older. So that's something to consider. But Malcolm Brogdon netted for the Pacers Aaron Neesmith, who has been sort of resurgent this year, but was looking like a bust before he went to the Pacers. Like he is, he's revived himself. It is not like he went there as a highly touted prospect. Daniel Tice, who I even, I, I thought about considering him part of salary filler, but you know, he is an NBA player. He has shown something at some point in his career, then salary filler, a few players to fill things out. Uh, and then the Celtics 2023 first round pick. They are the defending Eastern conference champions. And the top team in the East this year. So that's probably like the 29th or 30th pick. That is a glorified second round pick. If we're being completely honest, it's a, it's a second round pick with a guaranteed four year contract attached to it. So a, a valuable thing for a good drafting team. No, you know, but not a super valuable piece. And for all for a guy that, you know, is averaging like 15 points per game for the Celtics this year, but was like a 20 point per game player the two years prior, which is by the way, a plateau that, OG Ananobi has never had. He's never been a 20-point-per-game player. So something to consider there. Uh, although, obviously, you get the, the big defensive uptick with OG. Then the guy that I think is probably the, the greatest comparison that I could come up with here, another guy that was just traded this past offseason, Jeremy Grant, 28 years old, so three years older than OG, but decidedly in his prime. Uh, had two really good years for the Pistons in a row. Uh, took Julius Randle to the limit. In 2020 to 2021, uh, 2020 to 2021, uh, for the most improved player award, and at, just came off the two best seasons of his career as well. The Pistons, uh, in their trade with the Trailblazers, they swapped second rounders in this year's draft, so the the Pistons got a slightly better pick uh, in that exchange, and then they, at least I think they did. <laughs> I, I'm, I actually can't confirm that. Maybe they actually lost draft spots. I'm not totally sure. Uh, but then they got the 2025 top four protected Milwaukee pick that, funny enough, the Knicks own now uh, due to that finagling that eventually got the Pistons Jalen Duran. So if you want to say that it 
got the Pistons, Jalen Duren. Sure, you could put Jalen Duren in there. So like a, a mid lotto pick. Uh, and then two second round picks. So, yeah. Um, but they also had to trade that that top four protected Milwaukee pick with other picks attached to make that whole thing work. So, oh, well, and they also had to take on Kemba Walker's salary and other stuff too. Uh, actually, I guess those other two picks came from Oklahoma City to the Knicks. Anyway, so essentially one protected first round pick from, again, a perennial top, we'll call them conservatively a top three lock as long as Giannis Antetokounmpo lives and breathes. So, I mean, and two second round picks. It, so is that the market? I mean, that's another player that averaged 20 plus points per game. Jeremy Grant has proven, you know, maybe not so much since he's been a focal point in the offense, uh, like he was at the Pistons. Like that came with him being a little less of a defensive gadget player, but he's always been regarded as a really good defender and just in general, like isn't in his prime player right now that averages over 20 points per game and got traded for just one lightly protected first round pick. Uh, that, by the way, if it does manage to fall in the top four, does not convey. And like the Pistons knew that. So uh, something to consider. I, I just think that the, those two deals are a much more reasonable expectation for what OG could be worth than like a Rudy Gobert or Donovan Mitchell trade. As much as people want to talk about like, oh, the market is so strong in the NBA right now. It is and it isn't. I mean, the Jazz broke up a perennial top three seed in the West to you know, to tank essentially. And they got as many assets as they could. And granted, they've had some great reclamation project type guys like Larry Markinen has been a revelation this year for them. But, you know, going into that trade, it wasn't so much about the players. They mostly just got draft picks and like Markinen, I think was easily the best player that they got back. You know, they have Malik Beasley who's played pretty well from the, the Gobert trade. Um, obviously Colin Sexton, like they got some decent pieces back, but the, the, the main thing of that was the draft compensation. And that was also the case with the grant trade and the Brogdon trade. And, but like Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert are, I mean, Mitchell is a perennial all-star, a proven playoff performer, as far as, you know, just getting tons of buckets in the playoffs and being, you know, a very reliable playoff scorer and performer. And like literally just dropped 70 points a few weeks ago which I don't think OG Ananobi will ever even drop. Like, I, I, I'll eat my words if he already has at this point in his career, but I would be very surprised if he's ever even come close to 40 points in his career th- to this point. So, you know, proven all-star, you know, fringe, if not guaranteed all-NBA talent uh, with Donovan Mitchell versus a guy who has yet to take that leap and maybe won't in OG. Or... A guy in Rudy Gobert, who for all of his flaws is a multiple time defensive player of the year, a perennial first team all defense, like one of the best defensive centers probably in the history of basketball, if we're being honest. Like, yes, he has had his issues in the playoffs with getting exposed against like teams that just switch smaller players onto him and this, that, and the other. But I I think that you know, he is undoubtedly I, I think that the Jazz got a haul for him and probably more than he was worth from a desperate team in the Timberwolves. However, much, much better player, much, much better caliber player than OG Ananobi. It's not even close. And so that's where, you know, I kind of just feel like I, I 
also don't think, and I said this before, and I've got a couple more stats here to support this. Like, I don't think that OG Ananobi is like a change of scenery away from making this like huge star turn that people think. I don't think that he's Jalen Brunson, where it's like we have indicators that say like, no, Brunson might be the real deal. Like, if you just give him more usage and let him handle the ball more, like what happens, what has happened with the Knicks this year would happen. I let's just so here's a couple extra stats that just kind of finish this off for me. So OG Ananobi is assisted on 68% of his shots. So that means that 68% of the time that he shoots, he's getting an assist from someone. I don't really buy him having the juice to do more than like some occasional creation for himself. So that's one thing. His least assisted shot. So if you look at his shot profile, he's he's like most of his threes are assisted. So he's not taking a lot of like pull up and self-created threes. A surprisingly large number of baskets inside for him are assisted. I think it was something like like 70% or 60-something percent, which you would think for like a wing player, you would think that they would be generating a decent number of those themselves. The shot that he is least assisted on is from the mid-range, which tracks. That's not usually a shot that you end up getting an assist on. Uh, you know, it's that's usually mid-range is sort of like that differentiator shot of like a star versus not a star where it's like, can you create in the mid-range? Because that might be where you need to get a bucket late in the game because that's the shot that teams give you now in the modern NBA. So cool, great sign. That's where he creates his own shot the most, except for he is in the bottom third of wings in the NBA converting those, shooting 35%. Uh, And as I mentioned before, he's also middle of the pack of drawing fouls. So I just don't see a ton of star indicators there for Ananobi. And that's totally fine. Like, I don't, I, like I said, I love this dude as a player. I think he could be great on the Knicks, but I think that this framing that he's like a star available at the deadline is, is a smidge much uh, as far as, you know, valuing him. So this is what my offer would be. I would say, I'll give Toronto options. I would say you can have either two of the protected first. So those four picks I mentioned earlier, right? The the Dallas pick this year, the uh, Wizards pick, the Detroit pick, or the Milwaukee pick. You can have two of those. Your choice. Whichever ones you think are going to be the most valuable, I don't care. Whatever. Uh, or you can have the Knicks' own 2023 pick this year unprotected. I'd be willing to do that at this point. I think we can safely say that the absolute worst things are going to happen for the Knicks is that maybe they end up in the play-in and end up with like the 14th pick or something. Okay. Or 13th. We all know that. I mean, it would be like on the basketball gods to just be like, Oh, well (laughs) you just missed the playoffs. Well, tell you what, this is going to turn to the number one pick now with like a 1% chance of doing it. That would be a thing that would happen to the Knicks. So maybe put like a top two protection on it or something. Um, But you know, you can say, Hey, you can have the, our 2023 pick unprotected. And one of the other protected first, I would probably try to lean them away from that Dallas pick just so the Knicks could still make a pick this year, but offer that up as well. Uh, And then Cam Reddish, and I think, you know, obviously Cam Reddish wants off the Knicks. He does fit the type, I think, that the Raptors tend to covet. He's like a long wing that has proven to be kind of versatile positionally and stuff like that. So they would probably envision playing him a little bit at the four, a little bit at the two, you know, whatever. So you know, he's, and he's a very theoretical player right now. So they would probably be like, we trust our system to develop him. And then I would also include Derek Rose for salary matching. And, 
because honestly, Toronto after this move would still probably be making a push for the play in. Like they do still have an in his prime Pascal Siakam. They still have Van Vliet. Like, you know, they still have a roster that could do something if you slot Cam in there and if you slot Derek Rose in. And I think that Rose would probably take over for Malachi Flynn, who has sort of fallen out of favor in Toronto's rotation. Rose would give them consistent three point shooting, you know little juice off the bench that he's proven that he still has some of and you know a, a nice load managed uh workload the rest of the way out so that's my deal that's it so two protected first or the knicks own first this year basically unprotected with a protected first cam reddish Derek rose i think that's it i think that's fair i think that's fair based off of what the market is for a player like ananobi uh and i i think that if Toronto wants to ask for more than that. If you're the Knicks, you say, we'll just handle this like we handled the Mitchell negotiations over the summer and say, you know what? We don't want to pay that. We're not going to pay the Knicks tax or whatever and give up extra just because you think that we should or just because it's a division or whatever the case may be. I would just be like, yeah, who else is going to give you two first round picks for this dude? And maybe the answer is Phoenix, as was rumored. If that's the case, say fine. Cool. Send him to Phoenix then. That's it. Uh, so yeah, that's where I'm at. I don't have too much more to say on this. So I'd be curious, you know, if you're on YouTube, if you want to comment about what you would give up for Ananobi, let me know in the comments. If you want to tweet at us or whatever, let me know. But uh, this has been this edition of Locked on Knicks. We got a couple game recaps this week. Maybe I'll try to get uh, someone else on to talk about this Ananobi thing. So I think this is probably going to be the biggest rumor we'll see about the Knicks during this trade season. But until next time, thank you all for listening and I'll talk to you all soon. Peace out.